This was begun by a church planter with feeling for a particular way to treat each lost people. We are followers of a God who meets us in burning bushes, mangers, and crosses, and So bring it on, pandemic. Every new church needs new needs and connections with new people in different ways. Other churches don't because of the leadership of the church vision values. So more churches need more access
that was born to this earth who came to save every person who would accept him as a savior. And so we pray in your holy name this morning, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, come and ground. You may have a seat. Good morning and Merry Christmas. My name is Evan. I'm the lead pastor here. And it is my privilege to wish you a Merry Christmas season. Merry Christmas break. To the teachers out here who are now free for a little while. And to all the college students who are mostly now back at home on break. Except Kat, I guess. You're not on break yet. Oh. Sorry to rub it in there. Well, have fun tomorrow. I have a few announcements for you this morning. Um, one of which, of course, is that... What is next Friday? It's Christmas Eve. And so we are going to celebrate Christmas Eve as a family here in this room at 5.30 p.m. We have um, some special guests leading worship. Um, I guess it's going to be a surprise that you'll get to see that, um, who it is. And we are going to be able to hear from all the elders in our church. So Mark and Tim and Jake DeGroat are going to share the Christmas story with us in a very creative way that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Tim's like, wait, I am? Yes. <laughs> a lot of fun. So join us 5.30 in this room for our Christmas Eve service as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. Also coming up on January 9th, our annual meeting. Yay! Not quite as fun as Christmas, but hey, in order to fulfill our obligation as a 501c3, every year we have a yearly meeting. And so this is going to be that time for us to gather together as a family and to discuss some of the important things um, that we have to go through as a body, as a family. And so join us after church Sunday, January 9th for our annual meeting, our family meeting for us to take care of the important things that we have to talk about. So join us then Sunday, January 9th. Also coming up, um, this is something that we have a clipboard uh, bouncing around somewhere for, but we are going to have a Halawasa work day. Um, raise your hand if you've served or attended Camp Halawasa before. I know there are a good amount of us who have. Nick spoke at the high school camp last year. I got to speak at the middle school camp. Zach ran the high school camp, right? Right, yeah. Or if you were here a few weeks ago for our announcements that lasted 45 minutes, um, you heard about Camp Halawasa then. Uh, so this is a camp um, down outside of Hot Springs um, for kids. There are different ages from day camp for little, little kids, there's elementary school camp, there's a middle school camp, and there's a high school camp. And we have really been plugging into this camp in order to really try to just serve our community and serve these kids um, where many of them will give their lives to Christ at this camp. Or many of them are going to hear the gospel for the very first time at a summer camp. And so we, as a church, have really been plugging in with Camp Halawasa. And one of the things that they got to do this last year was purchase a property outside of Hot Springs so that they can have a permanent location for camp. But now with that property, there's a lot of work to be done. And so we are offering to go in on Saturday, January 15th, actually with a few other churches from the area. We're going to go in and do some work for them. We've got some shelving that needs to be installed. We're going to build out a utility room. We're going to be hanging doors. If any of you know how to do that, please come. Sanding, painting, prep for painting, like taping, and then there are a lot of lights that we have to take down. So if you're okay with climbing on scaffolding, we're going to need your help. And then there is some work outside that we need to do as well. Some brush clearing, and there are some large trees that need to be taken down. Chris is excited about that one. Grace Rob, I know that little Canadian beaver who cuts down everything he sees. Hey, Ray, I know you guys are on 
And so join us January 15th for the Hawassa Work Weekend. There also is the opportunity for those of you who just really want to work all weekend to stay the night um, at Camp Hawassa. And Winter Faltinsky has offered to lead worship in the morning. And I might even make one of you share from the Book of Hebrews that morning as well, depending on who was going. And so wherever that clipboard is, Logan's got it right now, is going to be making its way around. So please sign up and join us for that. We will be feeding you, so that's why we need to know how many people are going to be there. But join us for the Camp Hall also. Also upcoming, um, one of the things that we're going to do today is practice child dedication. And this is going to make you aware that there are a few babies and children in our midst, are there not? And so, right now we have a location for basically children, elementary age, downstairs, but we don't really have a great space for a nursery or for the little, little ones. However, we are going to be expanding into the little room right off of Dark Hall in there. Um, in Dark Hall where you had your coffee and your snacks over there, there is a room just to the right of this door on the left side of it there where we are going to be turning into a nursery. And so with that, one, it's going to take some work, and it's also going to take a bit of money. And so we are having this nursery fundraiser in order to purchase a few things, like we're going to put a TV in there so that when parents are in there with their children, they're able to stay connected with the live stream and they can watch it in here from that peaceful space in there. And then some nice furniture and some toys and things for them. And so if you would be willing to help um, to provide for the nursery, or if you'd be willing to help do some of the work like painting um, and decorating in there, please let me know. Um, but if you're willing to give um, to the nursery, um, you can just indicate that on your check, on an envelope, or if you give through EasyTive, our online um, giving software, then there is an account on there where you can indicate that that will go to the nursery. So I would just invite you to please consider um, giving to the nursery fundraiser as we try to build out the space and give the parents among us with littles just a comfortable space where they can continue to be connected to the family, but where their kids can be there and it's not going to be a lot of stress on them to be in here. So please consider giving to the nursery fundraiser there. Last one, um, speaking of children, um, if you were here a few weeks ago, we had a visit from South Dakota Kids Belong, it's a Christian organization around the country that helps to provide housing and provide support for foster kids and for foster families, people who are already fostering children. And one of the opportunities that we have as a church um, to reach out to our community and to be the hands and feet of Jesus is to form what are called wraparound teams. Um, and WRAP is an acronym that South Dakota Kids Belong has come up with, um, where they basically assign a small group or a church, one family or a few families who are currently fostering children. And then the church or the small group will basically provide for these needs. And so you'll we'll basically receive the families, and then we will assign people who are going to be providing words of encouragement, respite care, acts of service, and prayer for these families. And so Kat has already volunteered to coordinate one of those teams. And so she's been in contact with South Dakota Kids Belong and I've been in contact with South Dakota Kids Belong. And we're going to be basically adopting families who have adopted in order that we can care for them. Uh, the burnout rate among foster parents is very, very high. Um, I don't remember what the average is, but the average time in which people spend in foster care is very short um, because it's hard. And so we wanna do what we can to rally around these families and to support them and to figure out what we can do to help them as they care uh, for the neediest in our community. And so I would encourage you, please consider joining a RAP team. 
We, I figure we'll just do one clipboard per Sunday, and so we just have the Hallwasser clipboard coming through. But if you're interested in joining that rap team, please come see me, come see Kat, or see Nick, and then a clipboard will be making its way next week as we seek to provide words of encouragement, respite care, acts of service, and prayer for those in our community. Sound good? Awesome. Well, with that, that's all the announcements I have for you today. So I'm going to invite you to your feet. And this is a part of our service that we here at Common Ground refer to as our awkward social interaction time. And so would you just feel free to make your way around this room and introduce yourself to someone you might not know or to say hi to a good friend. So would you partake in that right now?
Oh, my. 
situation had taken over my life. But then someone invited me to church and started teaching me about who Jesus was and what he wanted for my life. And through him, I was able to defeat that addiction. Jesus healed my family. He's given me a joy that I truly would have never known. ourselves, we give of our tithes, we give of our offerings. So with that, I always point you guys to the screen here. We have three ways to give here at Common Ground. Um, the easiest way is through our online giving method, which is um, the link listed up there on the board. But if you're more of a traditional person and you want to give in person, uh, we actually do have a giving box in the back corner over there. And as always, we ask that you consider which ways you can give back to God's kingdom this morning. So with that, this is our offerings.
comes to our time of prayer. However, we have a little something special today, and that is that every once in a while that we have the privilege as a family of dedicating uh, children to the Lord. And so I'm going to go ahead and invite up um, some of those families right now. And I'll do some introductions in, in a moment. And quit laughing at my Christmas-sized stand. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and find you guys. Christ 
then it is modeled to these little ones, and then to all the other little ones um, in our midst that these ones represent. And so I'm going to turn to you, Common Ground, and ask you that is it your desire to live the Christ life in such a way as to model this for these children? Yes. Good answer. <laughs> now I know we have, we have some family members of these little ones that have come today. So if you're a family member um, of these guys, would you just go ahead and stand up? Thank you so much, guys, for being here, uh, for being here to support um, these families and for modeling uh, the Christ life in such a way. I just want to thank all of you for being here. It's a good sound. <laughs> and with that, Congress Church, I'm going to invite the rest of you uh, to rise to your feet. And we're going to pray, um, pray over these little ones. We're going to pray prayers of blessings over these little ones, and I'm going to invite Grandpa Rombo up because one of these little ones is a descendant of his. So we feel like she needs a little extra prayer. Oh. Uh, we're going to invite Grandpa up. And it, would you just bow your heads um, as we pray prayers of blessing over these children? Oh, Father God, I pray over Liara Grace. God, I just thank you uh, for your spirit and your family, for your spirit in your life. I just pray that you would just truly really continue to pour out your spirit on her. Um, would that start from such a, such a young age? Um, and as she grows um, to know you, I just ask that your spirit would fall on her um, just in a powerful way. Father God, the art of grace, would she be a woman marked by grace? Um, would she be a woman who preaches the gospel to those that others would maybe say are a lost cause? Um, would she be one who shows love and affection to those that others would avoid? Would she be like Jesus in the way that she does not go to those um, who he would expect, but God, that she would preach the gospel to those who need it most? And God, I just pray um, over her. Would you just bless her with, with a prophetic mantle? Um, Father God, as we pray over little Liara Grace here, I ask that you would just be speaking to her would she just have an uncanny wisdom because of her relationship and connection with you? Would she hear things that others don't hear and see things that others don't see because of your Holy Spirit's discernment on her? And God, I just ask that you would equip her with that. That through this deep connection that she would truly hear from you and that she would be able to share that with others. Father God, we just pray that over Liara Grace for today. Father God, we pray over Ebony We just thank you for the gift that she is, this little Ebony. And Jesus, we know that you are the light of the world, and you call Ebony to be the light of the world. And I just pray that you would make her light just shine bright. And would you give her a voice um, to tell others of you, to tell others of your son? And God, would you just anoint Ebony with a spirit of boldness and courage? I pray would you anoint her with a spirit of Deborah who would take on a mantle of leadership when others don't want to? And would you give her the strength and the courage um, to follow you and to stand up for things that, that you care about? Would she be close to your heart in that way? And God, I just pray that you would, would you just give Ebony a voice? Would you just anoint her with a knowledge of the scriptures 
Um, from every page throughout the Bible, God, would she just know, would the scriptures be on her heart, and would she be one who tells others of all that she has learned and all that she has seen in them? And God, I just pray that over the levity. Would you just anoint her? The ability to rightly divide your word. Father, as I hold this little weekly child, <laughs> pass her back to mom, I'm reminded of Simeon as he held Jesus. And as he rejoiced in seeing salvation come through a child who was named Jesus. So we come to you now in that child's name. Lord, we ask that uh, not only would you bless these children, bless their parents, their grandparents, all their family that surround them, and this church family, Lord, that we would be to them an example of Jesus Christ, that they would know what to look for as they grow. So, Father, bless each and every one of these children and thank you for the wonderful gift that you've given to us in Christ the wonderful gift that you give to us each of these children Father God we pray over little Thea Robin Father God I just thank you for your hand of favor on her life I just thank you for the love that you have for her and God as we pray over her I just pray that you would, like the Apostle John, who claimed to, to be the one in whom Jesus loved and who laid his head on Jesus' chest, God, I pray that that would be a life that Thea lives. And would she be someone who, through a deep intimacy with Christ, knows to the deep center of her being that she is one who is loved by Jesus. And would you just work through her by the love that you pour into her would it just pour out to others as well? And God, I just pray that as she continues to be close to the Prince of Peace, would you just make her a woman of peace? When she enters a room and your Holy Spirit's presence is with her, would others just get a sense of that peace? Would others be attracted to that? And would they recognize that there is just something about her that is different and that they want to be around? That is your presence. And that is a presence that is birthed out of a deep relationship with you. God, I just pray that over Thea Robin here. Would you just continually remind her that you deeply love her? And Father, we pray for these three families. God, we recognize the immense responsibility of raising children, and we recognize the immense challenge that they face in these days. But God, we also recognize that you have raised them up, and that you have called them to raise these children for such a time as this. And that you have a calling on each and every one of these child's lives. That you are raising them up for such a time as this. That though they will be moving into a dark world, God, that you have made them through your Holy Spirit of life. And so I just pray on these parents. I pray wisdom and parenting. I pray an anointing from your Holy Spirit that you would give them as parents. And God, I just pray that they would continue to be able to seize moments as parents with these children. They would be able to just seize moments of joy and of laughter and of peace and of love with these gifts that you've given them. And would they truly see who you are through this act of parenting that you've called them to? With this season of their life, with these young little ones, um, truly be 
eye-opening to who you are and your love for them. And so Jesus, we pray over these families. And Father God, I just pray over us as Common Ground Church. Would you just anoint us um, to live a life of faith in such a way that it is a model um, to these children and to our city and to the entire world. God, we commit to being a people who follow you closely. And so would your spirit empower us to do that. And Jesus, it is in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Oh my God, would you just get a hand for these families here too? Peace 
Why is it that so many people seem to be the least at peace? But on the other side, some of you may feel very full. You're riding high and everything in your life is good. God has blessed you and everything is going well. But if your circumstances changed and everything was no longer going well, would the peace remain? Unlike dictionary.com, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it literally, literally translates to to make or be whole or complete. This can be something as small as a diamond or a stone without any imperfections, or a house that is very well built, or a city with a very strong and robust economy. All of these things experience shalom within their particular contexts. It can be a simple or a complex system. But in the Bible, God reveals that everyone is in need of a spiritual shalom, or wholeness, that depends on our relationship with Him. This type of wholeness is far superior to any perfect diamond or well-functioning society, but it's a wholeness of life. For the Christian who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God offers a shalom, a wholeness that does not depend on your feelings or your circumstances. Instead, true peace can only be experienced by being in shalom with God, which we as Christians have through our identity with Jesus Christ. To explain, when you see something red, you are, in a sense, experiencing the color red. But how would you describe red to someone else? You might try associating red with things that have that color, like the color of a ripe strawberry or a fire truck. The problem with using that kind of association is that it requires that the other person that you're trying to explain red to has seen those things. So how would you describe red to someone who is born blind? The person who does not have a relationship with God is blind to peace, much in the same way that someone who is physically blind cannot experience the color red. While anyone apart from God may be able to experience peaceful things in terms of tranquility, they still suffer the same emptiness and lack of wholeness to their life. It is our relationship and only our relationship with God that gives us eyes to look out into the world, to see our circumstances, and to look within our feelings and experience shalom. During this Advent season, we have unpacked God's use of covenant, prophecy, and promise to reveal his character and his will to his people. With this week's theme of peace, I want to lead you through how the Levitical covenant established Israel's past experience and expectation for shalom. Please turn with me to Leviticus chapter 7, because nothing speaks Christmas like the book of Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs>
will be beginning in verse 11, but first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, this season of Christmas that, um, as the Israelites many years ago looked in expectation to your coming, um, we no longer have that expectation, but we can enjoy the, the fulfillment of those promises. Yet we too also look forward to your second return when all things come to be united with you. As we open your word, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us about who you are, about who we are, and how much we are in need of you. We love you, Lord. We thank you and praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning in verse 11 of Leviticus chapter 7, we will read through uh, verse 21. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering, as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder may also be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire, and as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanliness, an unclean animal, or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Ah, wow. <laughs> Such a wonderful Christmas story. <laughs> Not at all. But I hope to unpack how it actually is. But to begin, when I think of a peace offering, and especially how people use it today, I think of two parties who are in conflict, and one of them, or both of them, offer some sort of offering to bring peace between the two parties and end the conflict. Maybe two warring nations make an agreement to end the conflict, to move from hostile to uh, maybe at least neutral, but hopefully beneficial. Or perhaps after a big fight, 
a boyfriend or a husband will buy their significant other flowers to try and make amends and restore their relationship. That it is through the peace offering that the nature of the relationship changes. But that's not what's going on here. Leviticus lays out five types of offerings, and the peace offering is one of them. Two of them, the sin offering and the trespass offering, do what I just mentioned. They are what, um, they represent the payment necessitated by sin to bring us from that separated state between us and God to a restored relationship. The peace offering, instead, expressed their current relationship with God. That it is because they are already in right-standing relationship with God that they can partake in shalom, in that fullness of God. As I said before, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, meaning to be or make whole or complete. And so this peace offering is that symbol of being in whole and complete relationship with God. But there are some other things that are important to unpack in order to fully understand what's going on here with this offering. The first thing to note is that it's voluntary. It means like that the Israelites were not required to do this peace offering a uh, set amount of times per year, or after such and such thing occurs, you must do this. And if something did occur that they could feasibly offer a peace offering for, and they chose not to, they wouldn't be punished for it. This was meant to act as praise on behalf of the offerer, that they are recognizing God for who he is, what he's done in their life, and the relationship that they have, and they want to celebrate that. It may be appropriate to offer a peace offering if God acted abundantly generous and provided a bountiful harvest for you and you want to praise him for that. Or perhaps your field caught on fire, but God sent rain to quell the fire before too much was destroyed, and you want to give thanks for that. Or perhaps you were like Hannah, who pleaded with God for a son and vowed to return her son to God if he granted her request. It tells us in 1 Samuel 1 that when God granted her request, she brought the appropriate items to the temple to offer this peace offering. And so we have a, an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of praise or free will, or for a vow. The second thing to note is that it involves a sacrifice. Verse 12 refers to the various cakes that were listed to be brought alongside the sacrifice. And Leviticus 3 actually lays out what the sacrifice was supposed to be. Essentially, you needed to have an unblemished, male or female, bull, sheep, or goat. And as chapter 3 continues on, it tells us what sections of the animal were meant to be offered to God. Namely, a few specific sections of fat and the kidneys. Those were meant to be put on the altar and burned as a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. God says multiple times through the law that the blood and the fat were not to be eaten by the Israelites. The blood was considered to be where the life was found, and so the Israelites were not supposed to eat the blood of another living thing because all life belongs to the Lord. 
The fat, on the other hand, was meant to be a symbol of abundance or um, plentiful um, giving on the part of the Lord um, or whatever circumstances. And uh, we see that in Genesis. Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh in which he sees seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. The fat cows represented years of plenty and good harvest, while the skinny cows represented years of famine. And so, in any offering, and especially in the peace offering, we want to give God the best that we have. And so, symbolically, providing the fat of the animal to God as the, the burnt part of the offering um, recognizes giving God the best. Because ultimately, he's the one who provided it. Next, is that with only a small portion of the offering being given to the Lord, you have the rest of the animal. And as it describes in Leviticus 7, it's that it was meant to be eaten. Specifically, along with the cakes, it's meant to be a meal in fellowship with the offerer and his family, and a portion that was given to the priest would be eaten by the priest and his family. This was to represent the fellowship that we have with God in celebrating this offering. But, as we see with the, uh, the meal, is that in verse uh, 15 and 16, it's given with a time limit. If it's given for thanksgiving, it shall be eaten the same day, and if it's given as a voluntary or for a vow, it can be eaten the same day or the following day. This is meant to symbolize the enjoyment that we have of God's provision, but we must also continue to trust in God for his future providence. If you're trying to praise God for the ways that he's blessed you and the peace that you have with him, but you're miserly with that provision and trying to stretch it out as long as you can, do you actually trust him? And so, by enjoying what we have now, we can enjoy that fellowship with God and continue to trust that he will continue to provide this provision. But lastly and most importantly, I want to look at the idea of the necessity of cleanliness described in verses 19 through 21, and contrast that with in verse 13, we see that leavened bread was to be offered with Thanksgiving meal. Now this is interesting because cleanliness and uncleanliness was very important uh, to the Israelites. It was throughout the rest of the book of Leviticus describing reasons why they um, might become unclean and the steps that are needed in order to become clean. And what all of that was meant to represent was that fellowship with God requires purity. At the end of the book of Exodus, after the Israelites had completed the construction of the tabernacle, the place where they would go to meet God, it says that in chapter 40, verse 34 and 35, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, Moses, or any of the Israelites, couldn't enter the tabernacle and meet with God because their sin separated them 
from God. The book of Leviticus follows what just happened in the end of Exodus, and it works to solve that problem by providing this symbolic, physical expression of a faith-filled spiritual expectation through these various sacrifices, rules, and rituals. For the Israelites, the idea of cleanliness was meant to continually remind them that they were to be called holy and set apart. But uncleanliness reminds them that sin contaminates and separates us from God. And so, the reality for hundreds of years for the Israelites, as they were underneath this system, was the idea that God's fellowship was conditional and could be lost. However, as I mentioned, in verse 13, we see this presence of leavened bread. And the symbol that that means is that despite the present reality of conditional fellowship with God, the eternal truth was that God offers unconditional fellowship with him. And it is made possible through Messiah. Let me explain. Throughout the Bible, leaven, or yeast, symbolizes sin. And in this passage, we see that there is both leavened and unleavened bread as part of this peace offering meal. See where we're going with this? A sinful and sinless man together in the presence of God in fellowship. But wait. I thought God required purity to be in fellowship with him. How can this leavened bread symbolic of sinful man be in fellowship with God? Well, that sinless man, Jesus Christ, allows sinful man to enter into fellowship with God in the peace offering meal because Jesus imputes or bestows his righteousness, his sinlessness, upon us. That's the gospel. This was to show the Israelites that fellowship with God was not dependent on their own efforts to maintain purity, but on the promise of the coming Messiah and his complete and perfect work realized on the cross. Hebrews 10 says that the old system under the law of Moses was a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come and not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and the feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You see, while God gave the Israelites a conditional experience of peace that they could have at their present time, it was merely a shadow. He uses the picture of the peace offering 
to establish an expectation for a substance of a greater peace that was not found in their feelings or their circumstances, but in their identity with the coming Messiah and his work as Savior. Now, unlike the Israelites during the time of the Old Testament, we have good news today because we're no longer waiting in expectation. Jesus has already come into the world and provided a way for us to live in restored relationship with God. Now we can live in unconditional shalom, unconditional, full relationship with God. That's not to say that our feelings or our circumstances will always be great. There will be continued times and seasons in life that don't feel very peaceful. Jesus himself warned his disciples that life would, on earth would continue to be difficult. In the Gospel of John, after telling the disciples of his imminent death and departure from the world, the sorrow that they would face at his leaving, he says that, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Despite the troubles that we have and will face in this life, in this world, now our peace is tied to the certainty of our identity with Christ and the wholeness that we can experience by being in continual, unconditional relationship with God. This morning we sang a song called, My Jesus, and one of the lines that caught my attention was, Let my Jesus change your life. Some of you here today may still be blind to the peace that God has to offer. His son, Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> Some of you here today may still be blind to the peace that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, and have never really experienced a wholeness of life. It is sad, but even people who have lived their entire lives going to church have not experienced this fullness of life. As this song proclaims, there is an invitation to you to allow Jesus to come and change your life in the most wonderful way imaginable. If this piece is something that you have never heard of or have not yet considered for yourself, I ask that you feel free to speak to myself, to Pastor Evan, to Pastor Nick, or any other of the Common Ground staff that you trust, and we would love to share with you how a relationship with Jesus Christ can change your life. But you know what's crazy? The good news doesn't stop there. Even though we have peace now through our identity with Jesus Christ, we still live in this tension of being spiritually united with Christ, but not physically united. But the good news is that, yeah, God has given us a promise of a time in the future, given us an expectation for when he will come back and we will be spiritually and physically in union with him. Revelation 21 tells us of our future hope, as John writes, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, 
and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Then, oh, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And so, as we go out from here, we have peace, a wholeness of life in our identity with Christ. And though the things around us, and even some of the feelings with inside of us, may try and steal that peace, the very least steal that tranquility, we have our future hope in the promises that God has given us of a time when all of those things are done away with. There is no more death. There is no more sorrow, no more pain. There's no more brokenness in us or in those around us. And so, as we step into this final week before Christmas, I ask that you would be thinking and reminiscing on the ways that God has given you peace today. That we don't need to worry about what this life will throw at us, because our hope, our peace, is in something greater. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the ways that you have provided for us, for the life, the fullness of life, the wholeness of life that we are granted because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf to bring us into right relationship with you. And with Christmas and the celebration of Jesus coming this first time, we also look with expectation to the future when Jesus will come again and we will be fully reunited with him. Lord, for anyone who may be going through a difficult situation, still underneath the weight and the burden of the, the hurt, the pain and the death that this life still holds, we know that death is not the end, that you have conquered death, but um, we don't always see it yet. We don't always feel it. And so I pray that um, though it does not uh, neglect the feelings that come with the hurt and the pain, that we can have that foundation, we can have that truth of peace found in you, Lord. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name above every other name.
ground. As you go, go with the words of Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Go in peace, common ground. Merry Christmas.